of chapter 6. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favouritism with him. Thank everyone. Thank you, Betty. There's a story of a Jewish rabbi. Jewish rabbi is a, a spiritual leader or a teacher of, of Jewish people who once walked home at the end of a long day and the path that he was on uh, came to a fork in the road. It sort of made a natural bend to the right uh, and if he wanted to get home to where his place was, he had to deliberately turn left there. But because he was so deep in thought, he missed the turn off. 
just kept going, veering to the right. Until eventually, out of the darkness, as it became late, a voice yelled out, Who are you? And what are you doing here? <laughs> he stumbled inadvertently into a, a, a Roman military outpost, and it was dangerous territory for him. And there was a soldier who yelled that out. He stood there thinking to himself for a while, I'm not sure how to answer this. And the voice yelled again, Who are you? And what are you doing here? And after a further period of reflection, he responded by saying this, How much do you get paid per day? The soldier was a bit confused, but he said, I get paid two denarii a day. To which the rabbi responded, I'll pay you double that if you come to my home every morning and ask me those two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> every morning when you wake up. If you look in the mirror, I don't know if that's part of your routine. It should be part of all of our routines before we leave the house. When you look in the mirror, who am I? What am I doing here? Why am I here? <laughs> right? Write it on that mirror with lipstick if you have to, or, or toothpaste, or shaving cream. Every single day, who am I, what am I doing here? That was the purpose of this series that we've been going through, Ephesians, for the last few weeks. If you're tuning in late, if you believe in Jesus, you're a child of God, whom he loves, who he has set apart and sought out. Your life is filled with a purpose to live for him in holiness so that others may see how great he is and follow suit. Your future is secure. You know who you are. You know where you're going. You know why you're here. You're not meaningless, mindless, purposeless. That's sort of what we said. And then we said, well, last week, to draw it in, we're in the second last sermon. Everything that Betsy read to us this morning has to do with one main point. This is what God says to us. If you're a child of God, if you know who you are, you are filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to explain a lot of that because I don't have time. I'm going to have to work very quickly this morning. Be filled with the Spirit. If God fills you with His Spirit, there's a number of things you are going to start wanting to do. We spoke about four of them last week. We'll speak about the last one and the biggest one today. If you are filled with God's Spirit, here's one thing that He's going to make you want to do, and it'll surprise you, trust me, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. God's Spirit makes us want to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that look like? What does it like, look like to submit to one another? Uh, Betsy read to us about three, three places in which we are to submit to one another. First one is in Christian marriage. Okay? Those are the verses. I'm not going to read them again. I'm just going to say this for a start. It's hard to read that and not be somewhat confused, and if you're a female, somewhat perhaps even offended. 
right? Our culture is greatly offended by things like this. It sort of may seem as if women are inferior, as if there's an inequality of sorts. Women are less important than men. I mean, that's, that's sort of the things that, that sparks in your mind. It says a husband is the head of a wife. Uh, wives submit to their husbands in everything. It's easy to walk away from this reading thinking that there is this, this inequality, that men are more important than women, that women have no say, are inferior, and some way men will be a bigger deal. That, that, that's, the, that's the initial gut reaction that you can get from reading this. I want to deal with that this morning. That's because it's not what this means. While there's unique advice here, what I just said is not what it means. Here's what it does mean. And I'll unpack that in a little bit. Husbands, submit to your wives as an equal by loving her with the derived and functional responsibility. Wives, submit to your husbands as an equal by respecting this out of a love for Jesus. Now, there's a lot of big words, so I'm going to explain it a bit, and I need some help. Uh, Dana, would you come and help me out, please? <laughs> All right. Can you... Ah, that's all right. He can come too. <laughs> Have a seat. Uh, this is Dana, everyone. This is my wife. Uh, and this is our son, Marty. And this is uh, Emmy, our newborn baby. Uh, she's the real boss in the house at the moment. Um, yeah, neither of us are. <laughs> what does it mean for me, as a husband to love my wife, to submit to my wife. Remember, it's submit to one another, to submit to my wife in the way that Ephesians is saying. I told you uh, I ought to love Dana as an equal by loving her with a derived and functional responsibility. Let's start with responsibility. The moral and spiritual well-being of our relationship and of our family's uh, relationships is primarily my responsibility. It's a key word, responsibility. For some reason, in God's design of things, he said, I'm going to look at the blokes at the end of the day and say, it was your responsibility to teach your family about Jesus. That comes out a bit later in the passage. It's not that women can't do it. Donna does a lot of it. In fact, she does most of it. Yet, for some reason, at the end of time, the, the, the accountability lies with the blokes. Right? That's, that's what it says. And then you say, hang on, that's still unfair, because uh, surely that means that you are more important or of, of greater value than Dana. No, because this responsibility is a functional responsibility. Let me qualify. What does that even mean? There are a lot of things in our relationship that Dana does better than I am, that I can. Okay? Do I put you on the spot and name some of those things? <laughs> I've got a few. Um, when it comes to navigating on the roads, where to go, sense of direction. 
was funny when we first got married, you know, I was like, the, I'm, the blo- I'm the man, I should know where to go. And I drove home from Sheffield yesterday. I thought I'll cut through Nook, and after 15 minutes, I ended up back in Sheffield. And, and, I, <laughs> and I thought, oh, gee, this is oh, punch it all out. You know. I can't do it to save my life, you know. Uh, when we go away and we stack a trailer with lots of stuff uh, and limited space, I can't work it out. My head just doesn't do it. I, I ended up always with stuff still on the... So I get done, I say, can you tell me what to put where so I can fit all the stuff, because this is too hard for me. Technology, setting up Wi-Fi networks, all those sort of stuff, is better than I am. Those are all trivial things. Here's more important things. Tertiary qualifications, she's better qualified than I am. Right? She's more able than I am. <laughs> when it comes to... Uh, some spiritual virtues that gets added to our household, there are some things that she is infinitely better equipped and gifted at than I am. My responsibility for our relationship and for our household has nothing to do with my abilities or competencies and things like that. It does not mean that for a Christian wife, uh, and, and let's take Dana in this instance, that they are held back. Then I can be the Prime Minister of Australia for all arguments sake. And still, uh, this wisdom of Ephesians is true that for some reason God looks, looks to husbands to fulfill that responsibility. It's a functional responsibility. For some reason, God thought that Tim de Wilson will work best this way. Right? Without assuming that I'm more important or smarter or better. Without holding back Dana in any way to pursue anything that he has gifted and called her to in life, right? So, functional. Please chip in if, if you want to. <laughs> um, all right, next one. A derived responsibility. That's another awkward word again. What does that mean? It simply means this. I, as a husband, and any Christian husband, has no authority outside of what Jesus has said. Your job and your responsibility is to lead the way that Jesus leads. If I do something that Dana, as a child of Jesus, knows he would not want us to do, does she have to submit to that? No. Do you submit to that? No. <laughs> it's her role then to say, listen, boy, this is your responsibility. What Jesus says, and you're not doing it, right? Derived. I don't get what I want. I get what Jesus wants. That's the responsibility. Right? Further to that, husbands, it says, love your wives like Christ loved the church. You don't have to think too long to know how he's done that. On the cross, becoming nothing, a foot washer, a servant. All of that together you'd think in God's wisdom would lead to a culture where women, and I think Dana and and many people here knows that if that is how God has ordered it, yeah, I can respect that. That's good for me. That's good for us. And therefore, I respect it. And that's how it works. That's simply what it means. I think that's simply what Ephesians has to say. You might ask yourself, um, what if I'm single? Does this have anything to do with me? Yes, it does. Number one, 
it has to say to you that when you are thinking about selecting a spouse or a partner in life, uh, it's incredibly wise and preferable to choose a partner who would believe this, who would uphold this. This is what Ephesians wants you to get in the first place. But in the second place, there's something else for you and everyone else here in this. Did you notice that... Do you want to just hit the... No, you can't. You don't have a hand. Um, I'll do it. Did you notice when he speaks about this, husbands and wives, he kind of gets his thoughts just jumbled up a bit. He talks a lot about husbands and wives, but then he talks about the relationship that a Christian has with Jesus, right? He sort of flicks between this horizontal relationship and the vertical relationship. And now here's what I want to hit you with. Think with me through this, because this is very deep and very powerful. If Dana is just as valuable, just as equal, just as important in God's eyes as I am as a person, because she's a wife. And it's true that if you are a Christian, you are the wife of Jesus. Right? Do you get what that says about you? When God looks at you, He sees in you every bit of value, every bit of importance, every bit of love that he has for his own son, Jesus. Take that verse there that says, it's from Genesis, it says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Think of the intimacy and the depth of love that exists in that union. Right? And then he says, but I'm not actually talking about husbands and wives. I'm actually talking about Jesus and you. That's the love, the depth, the intimacy that need to exist between uh, a Christian and Jesus. <laughs> we always look at marriage and we say, we need to let marriage help us think what our relationship to Jesus should be like. And Paul says, no, it's the other way around. You need to understand what your relationship with Jesus is like and should be like and then pattern your marriage on that. If you want your marriage to be better, get your relationship with Jesus to be better. If you understand Jesus better, you'll understand marriage better. If you experience the power and the love of Christ in your life better, you'll experience the power and love of Jesus in your marriage better. That's the deal. If you're single, you're still married. <laughs> The real marriage, the real union, the real intimacy, the real fulfillment, the real depth is yours still. And earthly marriage comes second to that. Be encouraged by that. Hold on to it. And keep working on the depth of your intimacy and love that exists between you and Jesus. Right? You say, I am married, but my spouse is not a believer. What do I do? It's a very difficult situation. Here's my advice in a nutshell. You submit to your spouse 
insofar as your spouse is not expecting you to sin. The advice still stands. Even if your husband or your wife, for whatever reason, is not a believer in Jesus, still submit to them, still respect them, still apply the wisdom of Christian marriage, unless, unless that is going to draw you into, into sin, into stuff that you know for a fact Jesus does not want for you. Then you've got a very difficult uh, road to tread and ask Christians to help you, to work out what to do. That is a reality for many people. Okay? All right. Submit. Husbands and wives. You guys can <laughs> grab a seat. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Dan. Didn't she do a great job? <laughs> yeah, give her a round of applause. I was going to ask her to say some things today, but I just it wasn't the right week for it. So next time... Next time. That's the most we've spoken all week, actually. <laughs> okay, husbands, wives, submission. Uh, this is how we submit. I'm going to race through the next two, okay? The next one's important. Children, hands up, wake up, come with me, can I grab you? Yes, if you're a child, if you're under 18, right? If you have a mum and a dad, if you live at home, please. Listen to me. Oh, you can actually, you can come to the front. Why not? Come to the front. Come on up, guys. All, all the children, come on up. Let's do it. Come on. Yes. Come on, come on. You can open the chairs too if you want, or on the ground, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. Could have put more chairs out and we could have had a nice old gathering up here. All right. Can I ask one of you, because I know there are some good readers here, but that's not the question. The question is, did I actually put the scripture reading up there? Husbands. All right, that, there it is. Okay. Does someone want to read to me just the top line there next to the number six? Anyone keen to read that for me? I'm going to go, I'm going to go and can you read that for me, please? Brilliant. Children obey your parents. What do you think that means? Anyone have any thoughts? Just tell me, Zara. Mm. Listening to them, if they say something to you, do it. Brilliant. Yeah. Is that easy or is that hard? Who's going to go? Who's going to be honest here? It's super hard sometimes. Not always hard. But sometimes it gets really, really hard when mum and dad, especially when we get older, wants us to do something, wants us to make a certain decision and we don't like it, we don't agree with them, we don't want to do it. Okay? And yet what God says to you, if... if God lives in you. He says, listen to mum and dad. Obey them. Take them seriously. Even if, you, even if it makes you angry, even if it makes you sad, even if you don't want to. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Hit me up. Why should you do it? That's the big question. 
Why should you listen to mum and dad even if you don't want to? Johnny. Mm, great answer. Johnny says, because that, that's what God wants us to do, right? It's true. Do you remember a few Sundays ago, we, I had a few dresses here and I said, some things we wear don't look good on us. Other things we wear look really good on us. And we said, that's like Christian behavior. If we listen to what mum and dad says, it looks good on us. As, as a child of God, it's, it just looks good on us, right? Okay, number, what else? What, what, why else should we do what mum and dad says? Any other ideas? Yeah. What a good answer. It might get you out of trouble. I'll, I'll go to, to the next point. You know, here's what the Bible says. It says, honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with, with a promise, so that it will go well with you in your life. I bet each one of you guys want your life to turn out super well. And what this is saying, it probably will turn out super well. If you take mum and dad seriously. If mum and dad says, hey, I don't think it's a good idea to be friends with these people, they're probably right, even though you like those people. If mum and dad says when you get older, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to, to marry this person or that person, you know what, they might probably be right. Mum and dad says, you know, it's probably not a good idea to play these games or those games on the computer. They're probably right. Chances are, if your life is going to turn out well, if you're going to be happy, if you're going to be one day a person who loves life, who knows Jesus, you're going to have to listen to mum and dad. Don't do it for them. Do it for yourself, right? I've got a few questions for you. What happens if mum and dad don't love Jesus? And if they're asking you to do some things that you know Jesus does not, what should you do? That's not very easy. And yet there's a lot of people who are in that position. Right? What do we do with that as children? Here's my suggestion to you. You've got to work out how to respect mum and dad and still listen to Jesus. Right? Come to church. Come to Pathway Kids. Come to Pathway You. Have people in your life who you trust who loves Jesus and listen to what they have to say to you about how to live. You still respect mum and dad, but where mum and dad may say something to you that you know God does not want for you, try not to do it. Okay? Very difficult. Very challenging. But I think it's the best thing to do. All right, you guys can go and grab your seat again. Thank you. Why should our kids respect, obey their parents? You've heard it. It looks good on you as a child of Jesus. It'll go well with you. It's not a blanket promise. Some children die young. 
Some children respect, obey their parents, but stuff go wrong in their lives. But it's at least a probability. It most likely will go well with you. You respect your parents. Thirdly, I didn't touch on this with the kids, but truth is, a world in which children respect and obey their parents is probably a world that is going to be a great world to live in. The reason our education system is stuffed up is not because teachers aren't getting paid enough. It's not because our curriculum is faulty and needs an overhaul again. It's not because our teachers need master's degrees. It's because we don't get this right as a culture. We've lost this. And it's going to bite us. It's going to bite us big time. The world in which we live and increasingly are moving in is becoming the world that you have when you do not get respect and obedience right between children and parents and those in authority. All right? So children, if you want to be part of a solution to a world that's better for you and everyone else, respect your parents. Okay, parents, here's your, here's your part of the deal. There are some parents here today. Fathers and mothers... Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Christian parents, I won't make you come to the front as well. But as you're seated where you are, think about this. Maybe it's the first time you hear this. Maybe it's a reminder for you. No other person will determine what your child thinks of God more than you. No other person will determine what your child thinks of God more than you. You think John's omelettes has a lot of pressure. Being a parent has immense pressure. You're in an immensely important and weighty position in, in the life of your child, right? Your greatest job on this planet is to love your children the same way that God loves you, which means the first and most important thing that you can possibly do as a parent is to understand who am I and what am I doing here? <laughs> I'm a child of God, loved. I'm a wife of Jesus. I know that. I, I experience the Spirit's powerful working in my life. That is who I am. And the more I am that, the more I become that, the more it is likely that I can show my kids who God is. And as they look at me and they see who I am and how I live, they go, yeah, I want that. I want God. Sure, if that's what it is, I'm keen. I'm in. You're, you're not perfect. You show them your brokenness as well, right? But this is what you need to get to as a parent. This is why this is so important. And if you don't have that relationship with God, and all you do is trying to teach your child religious expectations of what they need to live up to, eventually this text is saying, you're going you're to exasperate them. 
That literally means you're going to make them angry. Not at you, at God, at the church, at religion. Don't make them angry. Love them the way that God loves you. And children, when you see mum and dad doing that, you know they are loving you exquisitely. Follow them, obey them, listen to them, and it will go well with you. Okay, that's parents and children. Again, children, mum and dad doesn't believe in Jesus. It's not the end of the world. Really, it's not. They have their own journey to figure out, but I still encourage you to find people in your life, whether it's mum or dad, or your grandparents, or a youth leader, or a someone who you know loves God and learn from them. Base your life on that in the big questions, and it will go well with you. Okay? You're doing well. Last one. Super quick. Slaves, masters. Um, I don't have a lot of time on this, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the basic question. Does the Bible condone slavery? Is it pro-slavery? That's the big question. Why these instructions on slavery when we believe slavery is wrong? Uh, short answer, no. The Bible is not pro-slavery. The reason it's in here is because back in the day, slavery was the norm. That's how the world worked. That's how everything worked. To ignore it and to just pretend it wasn't there would not have helped slaves. It would not have helped people who owned slaves. Okay? Paul's advice is, for now, he says, slaves, submit to your masters. Masters, <laughs> submit to your slaves. Submission. And here's what happens. The fascinating thing is that that very act of humble, chosen, Submission eventually led to the overthrow of slavery. Eventually the whole Roman Empire. Because of no other virtue more so than Christian humility became a Christian empire in which slavery through the ages eventually ceased. If you're a boss, you have people working for you, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Um, don't be an egotistical maniac that has to have all the fine points done the way you want to be. Love the people who work for you. Bend the knee to them. I'm not saying you, you can avoid having difficult conversations. You will have those. But they know where your heart's at. If you're working for someone, don't be a whinging, complaining nut all the time who refuses to respect what your boss has to say, to do what your boss has to say. Yes, there are times you're going to disagree with her or with him, but submit to them. Respect them. You know what's going to happen? Over time, they are going to respect you back. Over time, your workplace is going to become one that you say, I love working here because I love the respect we have for each other and the culture that we created. Come to think of it, it is by way of submitting to each other that anything changes. If you want your wife to 
love you and respect you more, submit to her. Your marriage is eventually going to change. Your husband's hostile, submit to him, humbly serve him. Eventually, he is going to change. You want your children to trust you, to follow you, submit to them humbly, humility. Eventually, they're going to change. They're going to buy into your way of life. Kids, if you want your parents to love you, to have a good relationship with them, respect them, eventually that culture is going to change. This is the one thing that Christianity is spectacularly unique in. Humble submission. To close, we get that from where? Jesus on the cross. Humbly submitting. Be filled with the Spirit and let Him change you into a person who, like Jesus, will submit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you that the, one of the key signature things that you want to get right in our lives is submission. We confess we're not good at it. We don't really like it. And it's probably the thing we struggle with the most. Lord, we want to protect our own egos. And yet, when we do so, <laughs> we fail to be your children. Help us, I pray. Help us to be humble enough to submit to each other. Help us to be confident enough that that is not a waste of our time, but that it is a powerful instrument that will change everything, just as you have changed us and our world by humbly submitting to us on the cross, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, music team.